Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, welcome to Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me today is Jordan Blackwell. Hi, Jordan. That's about Thanks, Rob. And we're down the King Power Stadium today because Claude Puel has been uh, sitting with the media to discuss Leicester City's clash with Manchester United here on Sunday on the back of what has been a very busy few days for the club. The uh, trip to Liverpool on Wednesday and then the transfer deadline day on uh, on Thursday. Um, so we're all a little bit tired, aren't we, today <laughs> after a couple of really heavy days. And uh, But let's um, let's kick off with the, um, the, the transfer deadline. Jordan, because that's what dominated the press conference, yep. really. Certainly, the open section of it. Uh, there is two sections to the uh, to every Claude press conference. It's uh, there's a, a section that's open to to questions, and there's an embargo section. So, um, uh, talking of uh, Yuri Tielemans, because that was the first few questions that were fired at Claude today, and uh, he's uh, very glad to get this lad on board. He's 21 year old, Belgium international. He's played 250 senior games for Anderlecht and Monaco. Made his debut when he was 16. Um, he looks like he's going to be a, a great signing. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think that the only the one thing that's sort of uh, makes uh, we're playing it down a little bit is because he he seems to have not quite hit his his stride at, at Monaco, and there seems to have been perhaps he's not quite met expectations there. But other than that, yes, I think it is a very good. It does seem a very good signing on paper. Um, yes, Poir was felt. It seemed like he was pretty impressed that that, that Leicester managed to get him in. Um, he, you know, he was saying about the qualities that he will bring, um, and he think it's a more of a. Although it seems like if when he does play, he will play either in that the two that sit in front of the defence, or occasionally when Leicester play a three, he will be in that three rather than further forward. He is going to be the one that's going to take Leicester forward and give Leicester something else in those positions, which I think a lot of people often say. Mm. When indeed and Mendy play together, it's a little bit defensive. But yes, so he said he's box to box. He can create things. He can score. Um, he says he's a clever player. Um, and like you say, he is 21. But we had a look this morning, and he's actually played more first team games than any of the Leicester's midfielders. Even though he's four years younger than Mendy, he's played more games than Mendy. He's played more games than Matty James. Um, so he's uh, yes, there's there's certainly a lot to to be admired there about him, and I think. Um, Hopefully we'll we'll see him maybe on Sunday. Paul was kind of coy about that. He said he'd had a good first training session, but wouldn't say whether he would be in the squad. I think he'll probably be on the bench. Yeah, um, I suspect he'd be on the bench, but mainly because of how well the the Liverpool game went. But looking at his um, stats, because I know you've you've looked at him, um, and I'll ask you individually about these these bits of stats. You talk about him not really fulfilling his potential um, at Monaco, and that certainly has been aimed at him, hasn't it? And I mean, yeah. there was some reference to a story where he was described as one of the biggest disappointments in recent years in, in the yeah, in the season, the, yeah, league season yeah. uh, But his first season at Monaco obviously didn't go that well. But this season, twenty league appearances, five goals, a one in four ratio. One of the things that Claude. 
uh, said in there was that he's going to bring goals to his midfield, and he hasn't really got that at the moment. No, not from not from deep. Um, I mean, we've all seen Wilfred and Didi shooting, which can be a bit erratic. Um, but yes, I think yeah, Tielemans was the second top scorer at Monaco. I know they're they're struggling. They're obviously not doing that well, but a one in four ratio for a central midfielder is pretty good. Um, if you, I'm sure if you, you go on YouTube you'll find a, a very good highlights reel from his time at Anderlecht when he was constantly scoring shots from outside the box um, so I think that is one of his uh, qualities and he's, he hits it with both feet as well uh, he's not afraid to, to try a, a shot on his left so um, there's a, yeah I think that's certainly something that, that we'll see more of Leicester it's just hopefully getting those midfield two or midfield three or whatever high enough up the pitch so that he is within shooting range but he seems like the sort of player that will dribble with the ball and will bring it forward himself rather than looking to pass it to one of the forward players Well I asked Claude because when Tillemans came in he did an interview with his uh, with the club he said he could play number 6 number 8 or number 10 now Claude has categorically <laughs> said he's not a number 10 No. so we're expecting him to play either as one of the two or as a three, like we saw at Liverpool a little bit of the first ten minutes when Michael Brighton played in that role. Yeah. Is that right? Yes, I think so. I think there's it's the the three midfield three formation that um, Paul first employed at Chelsea uh, and obviously went pretty well there. They got the result there. I think he, he tried it again again in the next game against Man City and played with it for about twenty minutes. Um, and then put and Chowdhury was one of those three, but then he put Chowdhury on the right wing, and it actually worked better after after that happened. Um, he tried it again against Southampton. Obviously, that didn't go very well. But a lot of people said that was far too defen- far too defensive a setup for a game against Southampton. And then obviously he tried it again on Wednesday, but again he changed it um, because it, Leicester weren't keeping control of the ball. Well, it could have been three 0 down after ten minutes. Yes, exactly. It? So I think there's a maybe now they've got Tielemans. <laughs> Maybe Poil feels he can definitely give it a proper go. Maybe he didn't feel like he had the right players in there. Maybe when it was Chowdhury and Didi and, and Mendy, they're all too similar. Um, but with Tielemans offering something a little bit different, maybe we will see all three. Um, but yes, he categorically ruled out in playing at number 10. So James Madison's spot or Damari Gray has played there recently as well. There. They're both safe. Um, so I think if it's anybody that's going to be impacted by Tillyman's arrival, I would say it's Chowdhury. I think he's probably going to be the player that doesn't see um, as much football, which I think will disappoint some people. Um, oh, yeah, that tackle went viral, didn't it? Yes. In the yeah. stages against Liverpool. Yeah, I think and you know there's lots of support for Chowdhury because he's come through the academy, he's a Leicester lad, um, and he seems to, you know, he's really enthusiastic and he seems to do very well whenever he's um, sort of put on the pitch so I think there'll be a little bit of disappointment if he doesn't if he isn't given the chance to, to continue um, but I think that's something we'll have to wait and see but yes for now I think it would just be indeed in Mendy well so we discussed Tielemans as an attacking force defensively now yeah. when I spoke to a couple of Belgian journalists about Tielemans over the last few days when we knew this deal was likely to happen um they said to me that he wasn't renowned for his tackling ability his defensive ability in fact he was uh, seen as a player that could be bullied in midfield. Now, he's coming to the English game, which I know admittedly has changed over the last 10, 15 years. It's uh, not as physical as it used to be. But you found some stats, then you, that really dispels that myth. Yeah, I, I mean, if you looked at his tackling statistics, um, I mean, he's, he'd made more tackles than any other Monaco player. Um, now, obviously, he played nearly every game for Monaco, and I think if you looked at it per game, he was ranked third, I think. 
Um, so they're pretty good. Uh, obviously, I think, and I think if you if you took the number of tackles he's made and brought them over to City, I think only Ricardo and Ndidi have made more. So there's that. He doesn't shy out of of a tackle. I don't. I don't think you can say that. Um, but I think the the he may he may not command a game as much as you'd expect of a central midfielder. Maybe he's because he had you know because he made his breakthrough at 16 there was an expectation on him that he would essentially run the run the game a bit like say Patrick Vieira would um, where you felt like he had complete control of the game I don't think Tielens quite has that presence to do that I think maybe that's where um, he's not he's not quite got it but I don't think he's scared of getting uh, putting a foot in um, but I do think they will need a little bit of toughening up to do, as is the case nearly with every player that um, that comes from France. And obviously, he's played in Belgium as well. I just think there's a it's a little bit more rugged the, the Premier League um, compared to to European leagues. Now we know there's no option to buy at the end of this loan. Uh, Adrian Silva's gone to Monaco the same time, but there's a sense that he's in the shop window here now because if he's a success with City that's going to smoke out a lot of interest from other clubs and that's the reason why Monaco weren't interested in a permanent deal when Leicester first approached them and, and they muted the idea of Silver going in a swap deal because they quite fancied Silver going over there. Um, do you think though if he comes to the end of the season he's been a success City will be able to be competitive in the transfer market for a lad like this? I think if he turns out really well if it turns out really well I think Leicester can will bid high for him because he has he has a, on paper he has everything they might want in terms of his age uh, in terms of his experience in terms of his qualities um, and having a player like that at the club for six months just to see really and well said this he can see how he gets on in training um, I think Leicester would potentially be uh, bid big for him mm. Um Obviously, if he does really, really well, and you know he's featuring in sort of standout clips on Match of the Day or whatever, then there might be interest from uh, you know clubs above Leicester. I think Tottenham and Arsenal were both mentioned this window. Oh, well, Man United, Barcelona, well, yes, right, PSG were also yeah. mentioned as well, weren't they? In some reports. Um, so I think there's there's a sense that if he does really, really well, Leicester will have competition for him. But if they can. And build an environment that he really enjoys, and he feels like he, he's getting the, the best out of himself, and he feels like he can progress at Leicester. Surely he's he's more likely to to stick with Leicester. Um, I think Leicester can do something to convince convince him that he should stay if they want him to. Um, so I would I wouldn't completely rule it out, uh, but yes, I think Monaco would look for um, a fair amount of money, probably. Probably talking thirty million plus, I, I, I would guess, given they they bought him for twenty, and they'd probably like to make a bit of profit on him. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the reason why they haven't entertained the deal because they think his market value will rise. He's only twenty one. He is a full international. He has played two hundred and fifty senior games. They think they can get more money for him than they paid for. So we'll see how that transpires. Now, Adrian Silver, as we said, went the other way to Monaco uh, on Monday. We were sat here. Um, we had a, a press conference with Claw pre-Liverpool and um, he was asked about Tiedemans and he, he talked about Adrian at length saying how he's going to have more chances second half of the season. Now I've asked him there why he did that. Why did he talk about Adrian getting more opportunities when two days later he's undergoing his um, his medical at Monaco? And he's basically explained it, hasn't he? He, said, he basically said, 
I had to keep Adrian on side in case this deal didn't happen and I needed Adrian in the second half. I had to show him that I have confidence in him. How do you feel Adrian must be feeling now? Um, well, with the, I don't think Silva would have been convinced by those words. I think, I think he would have been convinced by you know, the months of, of not playing. You know, mm. He would have sensed that... Newport County away when he didn't even feature and only King featured. Yeah, I think... I think convinced him. Really, I mean, he's not been in the Premier League. He hadn't been in the Premier League squad since September. I think there's a. He will have known his his time was at Leicester was coming to an end, and that he was even with Powell saying that he wasn't probably wasn't going to feature that all that often in the second half of the season. Um, and if there's interest from a club like Monaco with the manager he's played under before, um, I think I think you probably do want to take that. So I don't think he would have. Been particularly enamoured with with Puel's, um with Puel's quotes, uh, and I think it's probably a, I think I think on paper it's a good deal for for both parties, uh, for both clubs and both players involved. It seems to be it just seems to to fit right. Yeah, uh, but obviously that in the summer everything could be reset and Silva could be back at Leicester and Tielemans could be back at Monaco. And Puel did say he would he would keep a keen eye on how Silva was getting on at Monaco. Um, you know, to and he's um, got a lot of contacts still there, hasn't he? Yes, that's the thing. If it feels like obviously twenty years there, didn't he? Yeah, 20, yeah as, a, as a player and a coach. Um, so I think yes, I think he he will keep a keen eye on him as he does with all loan players. Um, to be honest, just to see if he sees anything there that he could bring back to Leicester and, and start playing him again. But even then, I I can't really see it. I think if he's no, if he's decided now. That he did, he shouldn't feature at any really at any point during the first half of the season. I don't think Silva's going to be able to claw that back. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, so we agreed that that was a deal that was probably best for all parties, yeah. wasn't it? All parties have been happy with that deal. But let's talk about the transfer windows as a whole. Um, do we think it's been a successful one for for City? Um, I well, I did a, I did a poll on the Mercury website and said rate the transfer window a five. I think I would probably give it a four. Um, I think there's. I think Tielemans, bringing Tielemans in. I think Leicester needed a central midfielder that was a little bit more attacking in their approach. Tick there. I thought they needed a, a creative wide man uh, who gets in the box a little bit more. They record Barnes, so I think that's another tick there. But I thought they needed a a plan B striker, somebody else with with Ian Acho not quite on it uh, at the minute and sort of out of form. I felt like they needed a better alternative for Vardy. Um, someone, maybe a taller striker, a bigger striker, a target man to get on these crosses that you know, Chilwell and Albrighton and Ricardo whipping some really good balls sometimes, and there's nobody to, to get on the yeah, end. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So I, th- I think that would, that's the one thing that's missing. But on the whole, they've got rid of some players that they didn't ne- that they don't necessarily need. It's a smaller, more more balanced uh, squad. They've sent some young players out on loan. I think I'm really pleased to see. Josh Knight and Dino Johnson get some uh, game time. Josh Knight's gone to Peterborough, Dino Johnson to Hibernian. So good clubs for them. And I think that's, you know, they're going to get some first team action that they need because they're, they're already starting to look sort of too advanced for the under 23s. So, I, yes, I think on the whole it's been pretty good, but just lacking that striker. I'd certainly agree. If I'm going to borrow your tick list that you've just got <laughs> yeah. out there, I'd certainly say if, if the plan was to keep your best players, that's one of the most important oh, yes, things. Yeah. I mean, Maguire and, uh, has been subject to speculation, not so much lately, and, and certainly some of the other lads like Ben Shield, well, Madison at the start of the season was subjected for speculation as well, and they've kept all their, um, their top players, no problem. I don't think they really had a lot of... 
Um, had to field a lot of phone calls on them. Uh, but then he wanted to reduce the numbers in the squad. He's certainly done that. I mean, the Vicente Borra one, I think, is the one that was a bit of a wild card. They didn't really expect that to happen. I think that with the circumstances off the field, I've said this before in a podcast, the circumstances off the field, his family didn't quite settle. There was a few things. Um, that was an opportunity for everybody to, it, probably the best way forward, to let the lad go back to Spain. That was then thrown the span in the works of the plan with Adrian Silva, um, whether because um, they were expecting Silva to go out. And then when that happened, I think they thought, well, we might have to keep this lad now because we're going to be short numbers if we let him go, Abora go, King go, and we don't get anybody in. I think when the Tielemans opportunity came up, then that was great. So that ticks that box as well. So, And I'm, I agree with you, although I'd love to know what Steve Beagle all thinks. Uh-huh. He's under 23 to go for the Premier League 2 title and uh, he's lost his two best defenders now. I mean, that's a bit of a blow for Steve, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think, but I think... You see them quite, you see yeah, them quite often I think, as well. I think Steve, although Steve is very passionate and he, you know, and he always... He's very keen to get clean sheets as well. That's always his big thing. Um, so I think he will be a little bit annoyed. But I think he knows that the bigger picture is get, these players need first-team football because it's about mm. advancing the, the football club. And if they can play some first-team football, improve. I mean, we've seen it recently with Barnes. Barnes was a different player when he came. He, you know, he went to MK Dons and then he went to Barnsley. He went to Barnsley, came back, didn't really get in the first team, but played in the under-23s and just ran the show. Um, and it's just having that that extra. You learn so much from playing first team football because it is so different. Um, so I think Knight and Johnson did need that, and I think Beagle Hall will probably appreciate that. But yes, it does it does damage City uh, under City's under twenty three's chances of of uh, winning the league, and they're in a few cup competitions as well. So. Um, but hopefully they'll, uh, they've got enough players there that they can they can still get by. I mean, obviously the Tielemans deal was the the big one for City, but there was one bubbling away throughout the final day for throughout Thursday, which was quite interesting. We'd known about Andy King's availability and the interest in him for a while. Uh, Nottingham Forest, West Bromwich Albion, we knew were interested. Then Wigan Athletic were linked, and then it emerged a couple of days before the deadline that Derby had joined the race uh, with Swansea, the club that he'd spent last the second half of last season on loan with. And it suddenly got very interesting, but with it, the dynamic of the championship and the, and the lack of money that's in the championship compared to the Premier League was making it a bit difficult to uh, to do the deal. And we were expecting um, both clubs to have to get rid of players to make this happen. Now, Swansea were trying to get rid of two players, um, Lou Ruffer and the other lad that was supposed to be going to Leeds. And when they couldn't get King, when King indicated he'd rather go to Derby, that's, they pulled the plug on both yeah. those deals. Yeah. Whilst Derby were trying to get a centre-back in, that was their priority, and they didn't get anybody in. And we thought they'd have to get rid of somebody, but they've cancelled Joe Ledley's um, contract. contract. So that made the Andy King deal suddenly appetising as well. So it was all one of those domino effects things that we always talk about in transfer windows. But the upshot is that King is at Derby on loan for the rest of the season. What do you think of that? He's gone to an East Midlands rival. Uh, I don't mind to be honest. I think I know lots of people. I've seen lots of Leicester fans saying they they can't bear the sight of King in a Derby shirt. But I think I quite like the fact that there's a, a sort of small group of ex Leicester players there. I think that will that will have certainly convinced him. Um, you know, there's Nugent's there, Waghorn's there, Tom Lawrence, Curtis Davis is there. Was on loan at Leicester for a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, that certainly helps. It makes sense from King's perspective. Yeah, that one yeah. makes complete sense. Yes. Working under Frank Lampard is a draw for any player, I would guess, even though he is still a rookie manager. But Especially for a box-to-box goal-scoring midfielder. Yes, and someone who, although we like to think as King as Leicester City 
born and bred. He was at Chelsea's academy until he was 15, uh, mm-hmm. and that was during the Lampard's start at the club. So um, he'll have seen Lampard up close, I'm sure. Uh, he gets to stay at home. Yeah, not going to go too far. He's just got um, married as well, hasn't he? So yeah, the stability. It, it all it all makes sense, really. Yeah. Good um, luck to Kingy Wee. Yes, and they you know they're battling for promotion. I know there's lots of Leicester fans that would like to see them sort of continue to to rot away in the Championship, but I think I'd quite like to see them promoted just to make life life in the Premier League a little bit more exciting. A few more. A few I'd more like dollars. to see some more Midlands clubs coming up because we're getting fed up of getting stuck on the motor. <laughs> yeah, these long trips like we did on Wednesday night coming back from Liverpool. Um, so let's talk about Liverpool and then look into um, to Man United. So because they are si- sort of similarly linked, aren't you? You go against the league leaders and you put in a, one of your best performances of the season. You get a draw there. Could have been more. The chances they created. That's got to give you a huge amount of confidence, even though you're coming up against the Man United side that have been flying under Solskjaer. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a. I think they would have already been pretty confident going into the Liverpool game because they would have framed it in the context of, of the Chelsea and the Man City wins um, but yes Manchester United I think Leicester should be should be confident I know I know they've been on this really good run they've not played it doesn't feel like they've played a great deal of good teams within that run um, they had a blip as well on the week well that's the thing they needed John Moss to help them out to get a point yeah, yeah against Burnley yeah exactly and I, think, I know they beat Spurs before then but De Gea made like a ridiculous amount of saves um, in that one, so and I, th- I still think their defense is not quite as solid as it could be. Although, and I think Paul mentioned this today, they are playing with a lot more freedom, mm. um, and obviously that makes them a much greater attacking threat. That probably helps Leicester in terms of trying to counter attack, um, counter attack United because there might be more space for them to move into. So. Yes, I think Leicester do have reason to be confident. If they can defend as well as they did against Liverpool, and they they were fantastic at the back, I think all four defenders um, really stood out. Uh, I think, yeah, I think they could get something. It seems ridiculous to say that in a game against an informed Manchester United, but just the way that that Leicester City are under club, well, you know, you even you know even as a reporter as a fan, you do feel perhaps more confident of Leicester getting something out of this game than they were when they hosted Southampton a month ago. Not exactly, their unpredictability is predictable now, yeah. isn't it? We're, we're, we're predicting a, um, a, a strong performance from City against United. Whether that's going to be still good, going to be good enough against a team that have been on such a fantastic run, we'll, we'll wait and see. But it just sums up this season, doesn't it? That, that performance at, at Liverpool, when you think you know Newport and Cardiff and Southampton and you know, how they struggled and how, they, how poor that was... And then you go to Anfield, the league, runaway league leaders, and and you put in a performance like that. Yeah, and, and also a strange season, and also conceding Crazy the goal board. again. You know, it's been such a theme over the over recent games. Of Doesn't seem to bother them now. They're so used to it. Yeah, that's the thing. That after the first ten minutes, they kind of snapped out of it, and they were they were really good for the rest of the game. So I think to, I do think they need to almost bury those demons on the on the early goal. I think they need to have a game where they do keep it solid. Um, mm. just to start getting over that mm. but yeah I think there's, there's, there's really, there is reason to be confident well yeah join us on Sunday we'll have a live blog running as we uh, we capture the next chapter in the crazy world that is Claude Puel as Leicester City manager it's up and down it's up and down so join us for all the thrills and spills of the roller coaster ride Leicester City on Sunday on Leicestershire Live thanks for joining us and uh, join us again on Dilly Ding Dilly Dong next time